Welcome to What I Would Have Missed. I'm Julie Rocco and I'm your host. What I Would Have Missed is being launched as a platform for individuals affected by suicide attempt and ideation to reflect on moments and memories we would have missed if our lives ended. My wish is that our stories will offer hope to those who are hurting and be a reminder to those who are healing that happiness is possible. Collectively, we are a light at the end of the tunnel. May this be a lighthouse for you. Hi, welcome to What I Would Have Missed. I'm Julie Rocco and I'm your host. I'd like to welcome to the show today, Tabitha Rose Cervantes. Rose, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I want to open up the show with giving you the space to introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, hello, everyone. I am a gay Cubana. My pronouns are she, they, and I try to be a storyteller in all the spaces that I enter. Wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to the storytelling of your life. It is a remarkable one, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you more. So as we think about what I would have missed and the concept behind it, that all of the moments that you would have missed as a suicide attempt survivor had you died by suicide. So bring me into your world today. When you think about what you would have missed today, right now, what would you have missed? Well, first things first, I would have missed my beautiful support animal, Penelope, who has saved my life a million times over over the last eight years. So I start my day with walking her. I would have missed the safety and the economy that I worked so hard to have for myself and having my first own apartment. I would have lost who I am right now. Thank you. As you think about that, I can hear it in your voice, the magnitude of those moments that you would have missed that you're feeling that. Will you take us back to your journey of those moments of darkness that took you to a place where you believed and in your life was an option? Yeah. Thank you for creating this space, Julie. I guess I just had like a a perfect culmination of like erasing myself and living for others and not living for myself. And so it reached a point when you talk about uh, an culmination of challenges and trauma that you believed you could not endure that anymore. What was that space like? What was, what were those moments like for you? And, you know, I want to move towards the conversation around what was, what were those moments? What was the next leap that started to bring you out of it? I think one of the most apparent and apparent shifts from being someone who could carry all of the burden to finally feeling like I was at a breaking point was this huge shift from moving out of my really small hometown and moving for college. So at this point, I have now a totally different community and people that don't know me. So I wasn't maybe encouraged to wear the same mask. I'm also dealing with the first time of trying to create a name for myself. Who am I? What am I? What am I studying? What do I want to do in my life? And not having answers to that and not knowing what to do with not having any answers. And the things that kind of kept me motivated in the past, like pleasing my family, 
making good grades so that I could afford to go to school, that I could have these opportunities, that I could make these people proud and be this version that they so saw in me that they wanted of me. I was removed from that space and now actually dealing with all of those pressures. And so I just didn't have to have to perform the same way. And I realized quite quickly that I could not perform the same way. Like you said, the culmination just got way too heavy. And so I'm in college and I'm still somehow making straight A's, but I'm isolating. I'm locking myself in my bedroom. I'm not answering calls. I'm not answering texts. I'm spending far too much time alone. And so I think that's when I really, I really started to give into intrusive thoughts. The listener, hello, hi. If you have intrusive thoughts, you're not alone. I spent a lot of years in my undergraduate consuming those thoughts. And so an intrusive thought, if you haven't really had a name for that experience, it's these thoughts that don't feel like your own and they are triggered or they almost feel spontaneous and they're just coming into your daily processing without kind of your consent, it feels like. They could be scary, they can be annoying, they could be sad, they could be heavy, they could be so many things. And it's intrusive because it is coming and it's coming and it's coming. So when I'm spending at this point in my life in college so much time alone, those were the voices that I spent my days with. And so eventually the story became so real that my intrusive thoughts were telling me that I was worthless, that I could never do the things I wanted to do, that no one would really notice if I was gone, that it's okay if they miss me. I... I made this choice for me. So it was like this really weird, twisted, warped idea that the way to claim my autonomy and to claim my space and to claim anything was to say, forget all of you. Like I did it for me. So that was kind of what the the darkness felt like. It was overwhelming. It was all consuming. It was so lonely. But at the same time, I was like a functional robot. Uh, My therapist actually told me, you're like, you're so high functioning. And I was like, I don't even understand what you mean. They're like, when some people are depressed and anxious, they basically stop meeting standards, stop meeting deadlines or showing up in ways that people expect. Whereas I could do that. I could perform, I could meet any deadline, but in the inside, again, it's just me and those thoughts. And every day they became truer and truer and truer, which I guess brings me to a huge breaking point in my college career where I was celebrating something with my roommates and we all went out that night. It was like a taco Tuesday. We're having margaritas. It's great. And by the dessert course, I was confessing that I was planning to kill myself. So I had, I told all my friends. (laughs) And so I wake up the next day and they gave me an ultimatum. They said, Hey, we're going to Baker act you, or you need to start going to therapy. And at this point in my life, I had never ever gone to therapy. I didn't know anyone in my family at that time in therapy. It just wasn't a topic, especially going from this Latina heritage. I think we are told so many times, be strong, to be courageous, to keep going. At that point, I said, I will go to therapy. And then I had a terrible time finding a therapist and figuring it out. And It took me several, several years of lots of lots of therapy to kind of get where I am now. Yeah, well, thank you. And what I'm wondering is, I heard you speak of the challenge 
of finding a therapist that you connected mm-hmm. with that yeah. you that you felt brought you into a healing space and i'm curious what created the persistence of that search why didn't you give up what kept you reaching kept you dialing kept you thumbing through the phone book or through the internet what kept you reaching quite simply what kept me going was for the first time ever people saw me and realized I wasn't happy. I think allowing people to see me, allowing people to actually understand where I was, rather than censoring myself, rather than stuffing it and drowning it, I had people who were willing to ask me how I was, who were willing to say, how's the therapy search going? Where before, even though I was really resistant to it at the time, I felt so burdensome. I didn't want people to see that side of me. I didn't want to know, I didn't want people to know how much darkness I was living inside me. It was those people that kept me going. So it's like, you have to give people a chance, which I think sometimes we erase when we're struggling. And I remember after confessing to my friends, my plans a month later or so, I think it was spring break and I had to go home. And that was when I, I say come out, but that's when I tell my mom, Hey, like, I had these plans and this is what's happening. I, I I needed you to know. And it was probably one of the hardest conversations I've ever had. But to see the to see the response that my mom had, I don't know how it it felt there was shame, there was sadness, there was so many feelings that then I didn't know how to hold. But what it was enough of a connection to know that maybe I should stay around to realize that that was an option was big. Wow. And so as you move into your life now, and you're continuing on your healing journey, what is it that you think about now that you would have missed? (sighs) Had you brought that night of your expression to your friends that you were wanting to take your life, that you had thoughts of that? that you had those continued intrusive thoughts. You found a way through that. What are you putting on today that you would have missed? What is that hope, healing, and happiness? (laughs) Um, It's overwhelming, honestly, to think about the, the, what I hold now and how it's before I was holding shards of glass. And now I feel like I'm holding seeds that are literally blossoming in my hands. And there's all these beautiful flowers. And I'm like, Oh, here's a flower and I get to hand it to someone else. And I'm like, oh my God, like this was the thing that I was missing. So I think first and foremost, the thing that I hold on to now for hope is community. And that for me means a lot of things. I would have missed out on kind of reclaiming my heritage. I would have missed out on finding out that there are so many other white passing Latinas that are totally powerful, that are totally tapped into our ancestors and paving the way for more radical movements within the Latin culture. I would have missed out on really feeling comfortable in my skin and being finally able to come out as gay. That community was something that was so life-changing to me. Also, I would have missed out on, I would have missed out on discovering passions that I didn't know could be for me. So I would have been erasing myself before my graduation. 
of my undergrad. And so all that graduation, first of all, was monumental in my family because I'm one of five children to go to college and get their bachelor's degree. And then I had so many people stimulated my brain who showed me that there are communities worth fighting for, that there are questions worth answering, there's places worth traveling to. All of these things propelled me to then go and get my master's degree, where I unlocked bits and pieces of me, the real me that I would have never met. So this is someone who's passionate about storytelling. This is someone who cares about the people who aren't getting their stories told, who can then bring seat to the table and say, hey, sit with me. I need you to speak. It's the teaching bone. I got to teach my first class in my grad program. And I fell in love with these people who specifically I taught a communication apprehension course of public speaking. So these people had varying abilities with being able to publicly speak. And that was both physically, mentally, all these like intersections of what impedes us from telling our stories. And so having that opportunity, have vulnerable conversations and authentic conversations, literally around using your voice, that was life-changing to me. I think those kids taught me more than I thought them. I would have missed I would have missed the thing, one of the things that I love most in life, which is poetry. I didn't, I never, ever thought that my voice deserved to be heard. I didn't get that feeling, I think, until, I don't know, maybe two years ago. I'm 28 now. And so realizing the way that art heals, realizing the way that in this world, sure, there is darkness. Sure, there is injustice. There's all of these components that I think if you're struggling with your mental health, you're struggling with suicide, like it's so easy to hone in on those. But if patience, which is a really a catch 22, you're going to have bad days and you're going to have to rework the journey all the time. But if you create that patience and that hope and you tap into community, I really feel that you welcome joy. You realize that darkness exists because light exists. And so being able to unfold those stories that we're told, unfold the stories we tell ourselves, we get to see more of the narrative and we get to be a part of writing the narrative. And I think that is one of my favorite things is being in a collective story and getting to know all of these quirky characters and develop your own character. Yeah, I love so many things about being alive now that I never thought I would love or could love. Wow. And so that's amazing. And when you were talking about the shards of glass, the seeds and the flowers you get to give away. Yeah. So you've been one of the most beautiful flowers I've ever received in my life. So I'm great. Don't you. make me cry, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean that with deepest gratitude and sincerity. I'm wondering, you've reflected on so many moments of your life and the changes and its evolution and its growth and, and potentially even its growing pains. What are you looking forward to in the future? What is it that, as you had said, there are going to be dark times, right? We all experience trials and tribulations. What is it that you aren't willing to miss? I am not willing to miss the feeling that I know I deserve I have been chasing after that my whole life. 
And I mean, therapy is really teaching me a lot, y'all. Please go to therapy. I, I crave that. And I think I want to stick around for that. And I am feeling like small little ripples of that. And even in that entryway of what self-love or self-acceptance looks like, it's so fueling that it's enough to keep pulling me into the future. I need to publish a book. There's no way I'm leaving before that. <laughs> I, I think also too, I feel like I've, I feel like I have so much love to give. And I think that if I, I would have missed not being able to love authentically. And so now in the future, I'm ready to really embrace gay love. And I think, I guess it all just comes back to love for me. That's what I'm looking forward to is all the ways that love propels and evolves and changes and births. Thank you for making the choice to hold on. And as we think about who's listening to what I would have missed, I'm curious, what is it that you want to tell someone? My philosophy that I would like to share with someone who is a lot like me, so that's an overthinker, and that's someone who can logically find all of the darkest points in history, in my day-to-day life, in whatever scenario it is. I think it's easy for us to feel like there really isn't any hope. It's easy to be lost in that space. Like, none of this matters. What's the meaning? Those are the questions that came up for me over and over again. So I would challenge you to lean in to your power to pick something, to pick something that matters. We we get to decide more things than we are told we get to decide. So whether that's the favorite bands that you love, whether you have a, a topic that you care about on your best days, whether it's climate change or trans rights or anything, you know, insert in the blank. Lean into to making meaning. Lean into that one, one tiny, tiny seed of joy, of curiosity, and just spend time with it. It doesn't have to cure you. It doesn't have to take away your thoughts, but placing meaning where you want to, I think, I think that might change your day to day in ways that you're not even ready for. Is there any, you shared your philosophy, is there any quote or clip from a poem that you've written or the title of a poem mm. that you want to share and leave the listeners with before we close out what I would have missed? Yeah, I actually, now that you say it like that, Julie, you have uh, brought into my brain a poem that is on my personal website that is about depression and these thoughts and kind of trying to make your way through it. On your website, is this a poem you wrote? This is a poem that I wrote. (laughs) Awesome. And so it's titled, No One Taught Me About Depression. And it really just, it just talks about these thoughts and the, the attachment that we, it's almost like we befriend depression. In our loneliness, well, this is what I had. I just really wanted to elevate the title because I think one of the biggest things in the mental health space, arena, industry, all of these words for what we're trying to hold on to is this idea of having words. It's this idea of being able to understand why you, yourself, the characters, the way that you are. Don't be afraid to learn about mental health. Don't be afraid to reflect on what it means to you and what your definitions are. Don't be afraid to ask questions to therapists, to support groups, to your support system. That would just be something I would love to 
Please, the listeners. Rose, thank you so much for being with me today. And I'm mindful we would have missed this. So I'm grateful that you're here today. I want to close out this podcast encouraging anyone who is hurting and considering harming yourself. Please call 988. It is the National Suicide Hotline number. Again, that's 988. I also want to encourage you to load 988 into your phones. The research suggests that this one simple act of loading the telephone number in your phone now can save a life. If you are interested in being a podcast guest, please reach out via the website at whatiwouldhavemissed.com or you can email me directly at whatiwouldhavemissed111 at gmail.com. You may also use these forms of communication if you would like to sponsor this podcast. I'm going to close out this podcast with my son Nick's music. The music that I have accompanying this podcast was created by him. I would have missed the creativity of his music. And I'm grateful and happy to share it with you now.